Do you want to talk about Winnie the Pooh, Andy? Let's talk about Winnie the Pooh. Welcome to Direct-to-Video. Sorry. You fucking... I was gonna... Sorry. I was gonna... What? I was gonna, like, do, like, a little, like, like action. Action. Why did it explode? Welcome to Direct-to-Video. I am your co-host, Tony Robusto. And I am your co-host, Andy Reyes. And today, today, we're actually going to be talking about two movies again. Oh my god. Like we did it's, back in the day. It's been so long. And we're so going, long. And, and we're doing a deep pull. I mean, not that deep of a pull, but we're doing a, a pretty deep pull. Because we watched Winnie the Pooh, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which was uh, created in, 1990, in 1977, and its direct sequel, Winnie the Pooh, which came out in 2011. Winnie the Pooh. So many memories. Did you read those books as a kid? Yeah, I actually still own two hardcover copies of House at Pooh Corner and uh, Winnie the Pooh. Just that. I think it's the third book is just called Winnie the Pooh. I believe it is. When I was little, I my dad used to read me uh, Winnie the Pooh out of these like tiny individualized storybooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least it's a collection so that you could read just the just the one story at a time. Yeah. And then I don't know what happened to those books. There were nine kids in the house. They're gone now. Yeah, I understand. Uh, But when I got older, I realized that like I didn't own a copy of any of the Winnie the Pooh books, and that weirded me out. And so I bought online like a treasury, and it's not that big—a treasury of like every Winnie the Pooh story. And yeah. I sat down and read those like a few years ago, and they hold up. Yeah, I I think I I think I was talking to you about that when you did that a couple years ago because when you told me I had told you that I also just reread those stories. Mm-hmm. Like we both like at the same time were just like, like had this deep pull to reread those stories. Independently go and read Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually bought one of my current hardcover copies at a used bookstore in that period. Because I found, awesome. yeah, I found the house at Pooh Corner. And then, like, a couple days later, I was at a used bookstore and I saw Winnie the Pooh. And I just grabbed that, bought it instantly. Mm-hmm. And then kept browsing the store with, like, a copy of Winnie the Pooh tucked under my arm that I had just bought. Winnie the Pooh is such a weird thing, historically. Winnie the Pooh was created by A.A. Uh, a. Milne with uh, a lot of... Uh, A lot of that creativity also coming from his son, Christopher Robin Milne, who is the namesake of the uh, human character in the stories. But Not only namesake, he is supposed to be the human character. Yeah, like, it is him. It is actually literally him. But the thing about it is, like, A.A. Milne uh, was a playwright and a novelist. And uh, after writing, he stopped writing Winnie the Pooh because his son had kind of grown out of that phase of his life where he played with Mm -hmm. stuffed animals. And because his son was his primary, like, inspiration for doing those stories, he just finished writing them and, like, immediately sold the rights to uh, a publishing company saying, you take care of it. I don't want people talking to me about this shit anymore. Really? Yeah, like, he... like it's such a a, such a weird like a weird thing to me he like washed his hands of winnie the pooh completely that's wild now him selling the publishing rights 
does not mean that the rights to the actual books weren't his. Right. He was still making money off of what they were selling, right? Yeah, yes. And not not only that, he actually like him and the the illustrator, E.H. Shepard, got almost even pay for each of the books because A.A. Milne actually attributed the book's success to E.H. Shepard's illustrations. That is very unusual in the world of children's books. Right? Yeah. Like, usually you'll have either, like, a writer-illustrator doing the book all on his own or a writer fucking over an illustrator. <laughs> but Well, or, or just a publishing company fucking over the illustrator because yeah, they because... don't see that person as important. Yeah, which is, like, that's a whole, like, illustrators are a dying breed of people and we need to take care of them because they're important because illustrations are beautiful. But but the funny thing is, is E.H. Shepard also washed his hands of the book series. Jesus. But I feel like both of them, like, and they did, it's not that they hated the book series. It's just they were adults with careers. They were both established in their field and to both of them this like series of children's books was kind of a side project mm -hmm. that E.H. Shepard did as a favor uh, because he was friends with the guy that A.A. Milne knew and A.A. Milne wrote them because he was just struck inspirationally to write it but once it was done for both of them it was kind of done forever it's, it's crazy to me like I... that's that, that is so wild to me like not I don't know, almost not taking pride in it, and I'm sure they did individually take pride in this thing that they made, but to to think that it might not have been very important to them, when I, I do genuinely think that this is the legacy they left on the world, is Winnie the Pooh, Pro probably more than anything else they did, any individual thing they did. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not comfortable enough with A.A. A. Milne's, like, body of work, but I agree well, it's just that every kid will have heard a Winnie the Pooh story at some point during yeah. their childhood, at least in the Western world, and that's a lot of people. That is so many people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting, because A.A. A. Milne sh pretty much shared credit of the book series with E.H. Shepard, because I noticed this when watching The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh and the 2011 remake, is that both A.A. A. Milne and E.H. Shepard are credited. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't see that often. Hans Christian Andersen isn't credited in the M Little Mermaid movie, right? M usually when a movie adapts something, it's only it's only until very recently that you had to kind of accredit the creators of the character. Like, you hear the story that, like, Bob Kane screwed over the illustrator of the original Batman comic, and it's only been, like, recently that that illustrator has been credited as creating Batman in movies. Jeez. I think his name is like Bob is Bob Kane and Bill Finger? That doesn't sound right. Bill Finger. Oh, it is Bill Finger. Wow, I fucking nailed that. I'm super proud of myself. Good for you. But Winnie the Pooh and accrediting writers yeah. and illustrators. Yeah, like there's a whole good discussion about just like and not only just accrediting but also just what, what a legacy is because it, it I can easily say, having looked at E.H. Shepard's other illustrations, that his Winnie the Pooh illustrations have a certain composition to them that, to me, is more beautiful than any of his other work. Hmm. That's funny because um, Disney 
one of the things they did is completely redesigned all the characters. For the, uh, like, kind of the television shows and later projects, yes, but for these two movies in particular, they actually, uh, I think other than adding the red shirt, which became kind of a, a staple of Winnie the Pooh, I think at the, in the third or fourth book, mm. they, they really tried to make these movies feel like those illustrations, even though the characters are a bit redesigned. My, my go-to is always Tigger. Because yeah. what what um what Tigger is in the books is he is a tiger, and it's pretty obvious that Christopher Robin says Tigger at this point in his life instead of Tiger. And what they do in the movie is decide that Tigger, whatever it is, is its own thing, and is like, uh, sort of like a. He kind of looks a little bit like Sylvester from yeah. like Sylvester and Tweety if he was a tiger and instead of being like vaguely evil was vaguely good. <laughs> well, and like I think to me the 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 biggest actual character change is Rabbit because in in the illustrations cuz in the illustrations Tigger is a stuffed animal. Mhm. And Rabbit is a rabbit. But Rabbit's just a fucking, like, briar rabbit-ass rabbit. Mm-hmm. And in the and in these two animated shorts, they they anthropomorphize Rabbit a lot more, I think, than, than they had to. But that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. In fact, I do have, I mean, I have written down a list of things that I do not like about Especially this this first movie, what they did with it, and that's not even on there, I don't think. So yeah, it is a like again. This is Disney. Disney in nineteen seventy seven was like in the middle of their prime. This is a very well animated movie. Oh, it's beautifully drawn. But it is there's a there's a there's a there's a few things. Are we gonna go into the movie now? Yeah, let's let's talk about it. the many the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh nineteen seventy seven. So Let's do it. It's it starts with this like long pan of Christopher Robin's room. Yes. And you get to see all the characters as toys and you get to see just like Christopher Robin's bullshit that would be around a young yeah. boy's room at this time. And it's not for some reason it rubbed me the wrong way. And I couldn't really say why. Maybe it's because the rest of it's a cartoon. And the room that they're showing off is like just a, just like a, a room. Yeah. Um. Maybe it was the way that they introduced it, where it had the narrator saying, "Oh, this room's like any other boy's room." Yeah. Maybe it was that. Um. As we panned around the room and got into the cartoon bit, we started hearing choir music, which man. I wish somebody Did, had caught on earlier. That's just not fun in movies. Yeah, I think we talked about it in Peter Pan. Peter Pan. That yeah. it, and maybe maybe this was just a big thing that kids' movies had in the seventies. But man, fucking choir music sucks ass. Yeah, in kids' it's not movies, very good. But then we get out of the room, right? Um, yeah. Once I'm once we to... actually once we actually enter the storybook proper, I feel like that's when the movie really picks up. Yes. And um, we go and I, to. I, I say picks up very loosely because this is a very slow movie. Oh my gosh, this is the most... This might be the most just straight-up boring movie we've watched. I I wouldn't say that. 
I just, it is very slow. Now wait, and, please, please, you need to toss out an example of a more boring movie. Of I a more I... boring movie. The problem isn't that we haven't seen a more boring movie. I just, I don't think this movie was boring. I, I just think okay. it was very slow. All right, that's that's fair. I, but that's the thing. It it took a it would take a while to pick up in between scenes, and it would just drag sometimes. Uh, and then we see what I have dubbed the Puku Clock, which I was very <laughs> proud of when I thought of it. Uh, it's a cuckoo clock with Winnie <laughs> Pooh in it. <laughs> yep, it's adorable, and yep. it wakes Pooh up, and he starts doing his um morning exercises, which is some straight up body horror shit. He like oh, turns yeah. his head all the way around and a thread comes loose on him. And, I was and he watching ties it back thinking, up. Yeah, I was watching this thinking they thought this would be cute. And I can see where they thought it would be cute. And I can see where it stopped being cute. Like, it was... it. I am not real stressed by that kind of stuff. But if I was, I think that would have gotten me. <laughs> I think the head spinning around was for me the point where it was too much well it's like, like that it, it made me think of that scene in toy story right yeah and that scene is supposed to scare the kid we can see everything, everything. Good so play nice i think that's the most terrifying tom hanks has ever been in his life <laughs> he's such a he is such a nice like bespoke old man now i cannot imagine him ever being more scary than that although I don't know what this new movie he was in is about. So, eh. so it's been a little while since I've seen this movie, but I believe what happens is that, because I'm looking at my notes and I did not take copious notes about the movie itself. I just took it about stuff that I'd noticed. Yeah. Um, I believe that Pooh gets hungry. He says something about a rumbly in his tumbly, I believe. Yes. Realizes that all of his many honey bowls are empty. Mm -hmm. and Jars. Jars, correct. It's a staple and of the character. Goes to Honey Bolts. And I think he goes to find the beehive. I think that's the that's this bit of the movie. And the thing about this movie, which isn't exactly a bad thing, but it's definitely sort of a staple of the time, is that you can see the animated stuff, like their interactive objects in like in old Monkey Island game. Yeah, yeah, like definitely that. And I do think a big part of that is just the the limits of animation at the time. Mm-hmm. Right, you can either have... They could have done everything animated and that would have been insane. Or they could have this background and then animate the stuff on top of it. Yeah, that, that would have been Sleeping Beauty, which is insane. Gosh, like every frame mm -hmm. repainted is, is not fun. I, I will point out, though, they wanted to use E.H. Uh, e. Shepard's original illustrations in some of the backgrounds for this movie, and uh, Disney himself was very adamant that everything be done in studio, that it all belonged to Disney. Huh. So, yeah. And so I, I do want to point out, by the way, that The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, even though it came out in, like, 1978, I think, it's actually three, like, animated shorts that were kind of yeah, strung together, together into a yeah. film. And those came out in 1966, 68, and 74, respectively. Okay. Which is which which explains a lot of like the weird kind of design choices made in the third 
uh, right, and why story it, compared to the first two. Mm-hmm. We see Eeyore, and Pooh says good morning, and Eeyore says, if it is a good morning, which I doubt. It, which is just perfect. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I found Rabbit irritating and Eeyore annoying, but as an adult, I just really feel for both of these characters. Like, you know, so I much. Ge- I genuinely think I always liked Eeyore. Uh, which is strange because he's such a party pooper. And I really do identify with him now when, like, if I am at a party, I will be the sad person at the party who is, like, okay to be there because he's with his friends but kind of wants to be anywhere else. And I feel like that's what Eeyore is all of the time. Yeah, he he enjoys being with his friends, but you get you get the sense that he's doing this because they're his friends, not because he right. wants to. He enjoys being with his friends, but at the same time, he doesn't enjoy anything. Yeah, really. yeah. But God, I love Eeyore. And Rabbit. Yeah, Rabbit, besides Kanga, who is scarce in most Winnie the Pooh stories, yeah. is kind of the only adult around. And so Rabbit's always the least interesting person in the stories but again that makes me identify him identify with them more because i have been the only adult in a room full of children before. same yeah and it and that the the exasperation that he feels uh mm-hmm. and we're getting ahead of the story here but the exasperation that he feels when Pooh shows up is is oh something that i have felt in my own life when people show up to my house where i'm just like oh gosh oh man oh no no yes so Pooh Poo sings a song, which I don't remember, but I have written down here that I didn't like it. So that's where we're at. So his plan to get the honey is just an, uh, an increasing series of bad decisions. First, he tries to climb the tree and then just immediately mm. falls and lands in a bush. But his second plan is such a, like, child logic plan. The balloon? Yeah, he ties himself to a balloon and covers himself in mud to disguise himself as a rain cloud. This is such a child logic plan that I always believed that this was Christopher Robin's plan. Like, real-life Christopher Robin when he talked with his dad about how Pooh might get honey. Yeah, I... And and it's little stuff like that that makes you really feel like... Like, this isn't... An, this, is, this, is, this feels more like an adult retelling a story that him and his son came up with while they were playing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to say this one thing about it is I noticed this first with the bees, but it comes up a few other times. This movie feels very classic Disney. Yeah. With a lot of what it chooses to do with these characters. And it kept striking me as I was watching it that it didn't feel as classic Winnie the Pooh as I expected. It felt more Disney and less Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I mean the the format of Winnie the Pooh is so Disney already that I'm sure that the changes that they made, which I think were just adding the song and a couple of character redesigns. Well, but like the way that he interacted with the bees, the bee like popped into his mouth and like buzzed all over his body. Oh yeah. And that that is that is a Disney logic way to do that. Definitely. When you could also have Pooh be stung by a bee and it wouldn't change what happened, but it would make it feel, I feel like it would make it feel more like Winnie the Pooh. 
Well, Winnie the Pooh can't get stung by a bee. He He's a stuffed animal. I understand, but also, can't he? No, he can't. He's a stuffed he, animal. He doesn't seem to... It doesn't matter. You're right, but they're, they... Pooh does a lot of stuff that a stuffed animal can't do. Well, yes, but <laughs> you have to remember that, like, like this is a stuffed animal who's being, like... who Who is being, like, brought to life by this child's imagination, right? The adventure not... At, ending in getting stung by a bee is like kind of a downer well i feel Pooh like got he stung have... by a bee now Pooh has to grab his his stuffed epi pen and shove it into his leg while we call the ambulance he's not so allergic he doesn't to die bees, of anaphylactic he's shock. a stuffed animal he's just the, the, <laughs> he'd get like a red belt on his nose and he'd slap his hands over it and he'd fall down the tree see that actually feels more disney to me than the bee flying inside of him yeah like having like uh having like like getting stung and having like a throbbing red nose that's like a scene from an actual thing. Yeah, I know, but I feel like I'm I'm thinking in like cartoon logic, but I feel like that whole bee flying inside of his body and buzzing around, that's like I mean, that's from old uh Mickey Mouse cartoons. Yeah, like definitely. A scene where Donald Duck does that and he's like swatting himself the whole time. I'm not saying it's bad or anything. It just doesn't it's it this felt, era. It just, it's it's this era of Disney animation. Like, it's yeah, well, what, that, that's it's a yeah, visual like visual gags in animation have changed a lot since then. I don't think an animated cartoon would do a joke like that because of how much it would cost to animate it. I just don't think it's very funny, uh, if only because it's been it's this joke that's been told a million times by now. Well, by now, but in 1977. I mean, I definitely not even seventy-seven. Found it entertaining 66. the first time I saw it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, that's not what I'm saying. But I think by the time Winnie the Pooh came out, it was already a joke that had been told. Well, I mean, by the time Winnie the Pooh came out, animation had only existed for forty years. This doesn't matter. We're getting off track. There are I, other I, bits. There are other bits where it gets more Disney than Winnie the Pooh. I'll bring it up then. All right talking about gopher i want to talk uh, gopher oh gopher <laughs> gophers when it gets way more disney than winnie the that Pooh. that they do that joke i think three times and every time i found myself chuckling at it like are you serious it, yes i i fucking <laughs> oh my god all right <laughs> i love it all right so Pooh goes to get the honey from the tree and fails he just fails, and fails. i do they the, pop the balloon? I don't think they actually do. No, I think the balloon Pooh. comes loose. Yeah, and he falls in the mud. Well, no, it runs out of air. Oh yes, yes, he like rides it down as it's like blowing. Yeah, as it's all, like like yeah. around, and uh, and then do we, and then I guess we go to this must be the next short, right? Because yeah. he goes to see Rabbit. No, 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 no. This is still all uh, the first short. This is all the first one. Yeah. Okay. So rabbit this scene with rabbit like epitomizes my relationship with so many of my friends like okay perfect just like like Pooh goes to rabbit's house because he knows that rabbit stores honey <laughs> and and there's this amazing like dialogue where Pooh says out loud what he knows rabbit's going to do when he gets there and in his head that's just how rabbit is but when rabbit acts it out you could tell that this is like like, he's being courteous, but also he really doesn't want to be doing this again for who knows how many times it's happened. Because at first it seems kind of rude that he won't give Pooh any honey. And then it's revealed that either because Pooh eats 
so a much lot, honey. Or because Rabbit is accommodating, he just eats all of his honey that yeah. he has in the house. And then, and that leads to I think my my favorite line in in this short, which is where Rabbit asks Pooh if he would like some more honey, and Pooh's like, <laughs> "Do you have any more?" And Rabbit's just like, "No." <laughs> And then Pooh runs into his second problem. Yes, and this is probably the most iconic... Scene. This might be the most iconic Winnie the Pooh story, and or the most iconic Disney adaptation of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, definitely. Which is Pooh getting stuck in Rabbit's... Tree. Back door. Front door. It's the front door. Yeah. His back door is bigger, which is weird. <laughs> his back door is an actual door. But it's his an actual front... door that he could have left out of the whole time. <laughs> but his front door is like a rabbit's burrow, which makes sense that he would think of it as his front door. But Yes. I... Uh... But Pooh shouldn't be using that one. Because his giant load gets stuck in there. Oh yeah, he gets so stuck. And Rabbit puts him on a diet until it gets out. And then in the night... Okay, so Gopher is not a character that exists in the Winnie the Pooh stories. Ex- which is why he feels so Disney. Like, he is a... Because he's very Disney. Yeah, he... I mean, every third word he said he squeaks out, which is, like, such an old animation thing. Like, yeah. like, um, like a porky pig stutter. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, um, I'm trying to remember which of the dwarves did something like that. I think it was Doc. Uh, yes. The point is, it's such, it, an, that's such an old animation thing that we don't do anymore, and it's an old Disney thing, and Gopher talks to Owl, and he hey. makes jokes about, like, fucking being in the white pages. And <laughs> what? It, <laughs> why is this character in this fucking movie? Because he doesn't do anything to change the story, which is kind of important. But on the other hand, he also makes the joke that these six-year-olds who are watching this movie don't fucking get. I I feel like Gopher is kind of an antithesis to Owl in a lot of ways, because Owl acts smart but isn't actually he's like he, he pontificates but he, there's no substance he, because he's what a child thinks a, grow, a smart grown-up sounds like but gopher is a thing about owl. yeah right but and and we're gonna talk about that i think so much when we get to the next movie but but gopher oh, but gopher is actually an adult like he's the everything every line that comes out of his mouth is something that an adult writer would but write that's why there's no reason for him to be here yeah it's, it's like and and it's, it's like how it's like how there's you never see a full adult in peanuts exactly because that they don't fit in the panels gopher yeah. does not fit in this world which i i find it very the most ironic adult person in winnie the pooh is christopher robin and it should kind of be that way well no that's not true kanga yeah yeah but kanga defers to christopher robin true this is true a lot of complex relationships in winnie the pooh but yes but i i i I do find it really i there's like like the exchange he has with owl i find genuinely like pleasing to listen to that's this is baffling like how much is it gonna cost about seven sticks of dynamite no i meant the price well it's gonna cost you however well it's gonna cost you i only take cash (laughs) and then he leaves like uh, i found 
I found this entire like joke way funnier than I fucking should have. But there was there was no reason for this to happen. Like when he shows up again later, he mentions that he's taking a break from his swing shift, which like what the fuck? Child knows what a swing shift is. I don't know what a swing shift is. <laughs> I'm a grown ass adult. <laughs> Oh fuck! What a stupid character, and I and and I like Gopher. I think more as an adult, but but Gopher does not fit, and that's very important, and that's something that I'm going to talk about. I think when I get to like my end rant that I have prepared. So Rabbit can't push Pooh out. They can't afford to have Gopher blast him out with dynamite, which is good because Pooh would have died. Pooh would have died. Pooh would have died. <laughs> I I wish I've been my whole life I I kind of I've had to live with realizing that I will never be able to do a Winnie the Pooh impression and that makes me sad. In between so there's like a um like a montage kind of of like time passing. And at one point in this happening, Rabbit frames Pooh's butt, which is always I mean, again, it was funny when I was a kid, but like watching it as an adult he drew a smiley face on a dude's butt and put a picture frame on it. Like, I am proud of this thing I made. He even <laughs> gets mad at Pooh for giggling and ruining yeah. the smile. Like, you're riding on him. This was... You're, you're adding a permanent weird. addition to Pooh's butt <laughs> because, he need, because you needed to make him fit a bit more with the aesthetic of your home. I mean, it's, it's beautiful in its own way, but it really fucking struck me so sometime after all of this uh rabbit realizes that i'm gonna read this sentence just off of the wikipedia page because i love it so much oh boy rabbit wakes up and discovers that Pooh's fat bottom has slightly shrunken Jesus. <laughs> fucking wikipedia you get get on your style guide you you cannot <laughs> have that sentence but yeah the whole gang gets together and starts pulling on on Pooh, realizing that they're like this is it they're gonna finally be able to get him out mm-hmm. and like a cork being released off of a wine bottle they fire him into the sky yes does he land in owl's house no he lands inside the honey tree in the honey tree and then that's where that that one ends and this is yeah and that's where the first short ends with the uh, him him Telling them that they that they can leave him up there for right. a bit longer as he just like scoops up this honey, but I want to blame Winnie the Pooh for ruining what my perception of honey looks like because honey does not look as good as it looks in this cartoon in real life. Yeah, it, but real life honey is very good. I don't. It's got a it's got a flavor to it that I can't stand. Oh, that's too bad. It's it's got like a, yeah, it's got like an and and a big part of that's because my mom used to make like this like honey tea for when we had sore throats and stuff, and it tasted really uh, bitter. So maybe and also maybe you associate it with being sick. Well, my biggest problem with it was that it just tasted so bitter. But the thing and so when I tried like regular normal ass honey, yeah, mm. it's sweet, but the taste is the same, which is weird. Yeah. Okay. Yes, because so, honey is not in itself bitter. bitter. I have a couple notes here that I didn't quite get to because I wasn't sure where they went in. When Gopher comes back, does he break the fourth wall? I think so. I think so. I, he, prob- um, he probably does. A 
if and any of start, the characters is going to. They actually start doing that. They actually start to, I think they really do that in the final short. Oh, yeah. And the way they break the fourth wall really fucking bothers me. Especially because in the next movie, they do it a lot better. As they go on, they they focus a lot on the idea that this is happening inside a book. A st- and the characters can interact with the paragraphs and the sentences and the story itself. But it's done so poorly in this older one. And I hate it every time they make reference to the book. Yeah, I feel like I feel like this the choice of, of really focusing in on the book happened in happening in the second and and going to its fullest extent in the third short just makes the three it makes the movie feel way more disjointed than it otherwise would feel. Mm. But but again, like the second movie the second short that's a part of this movie was made two years after the first one. And the third movie was made like almost a decade like later. 12 years. Yeah. yeah. Like in, in uh, uh, 68, like eight years later, I think. Okay. From the first one. Okay. So this second short, this is, Ta-da. Um. Winnie the Pooh and the blustery day. The blustery day. Oh, okay. I put that there's too much mediocre music in this movie. I think Pooh starts singing to himself about the blustery day. Yes, Uh, he does. It's because it's Wednesday. Oh my gosh, yes. I can't remember if that's a joke from the original story. It's not. Okay. It's not because because Gopher says it. Because Gopher says it. Fucking Gopher. Ruining the continuity of this beloved children's book series. It's just, he doesn't add anything good. He doesn't... (laughs) I thought the joke of him falling into the hole was really good. All three times it happened. So it's Wednesday and Pooh decides to wish everyone a happy Wednesday. And he goes to visit Piglet, who... Piglet's having a time. Yeah, Piglet is... Is having a so real strong. hard time. <laughs> Poor Piglet. I. Oh man, I think Piglet is one of the most recognizable Winnie the Pooh characters. After mm. like like Pooh Tigger and Piglet are the three that everyone like like has on T-shirts and stuff. Okay. But of the three, I think I definitely identified with Piglet a lot more because I was a very small child. Okay. Think about Piglet is he's afraid of everything. Yeah. Which that's a... I never. I mean that never. That never really wrong with me. Uh, not that I was particularly brave, but it's like, get, get a new character trait, Piglet. <laughs> well, I mean, every character in in this is very one-dimensional in their own way, I think. And I think... That was probably the roughest thing about watching this movie, yeah. Because Pooh is just kind of... You know what's weird about Pooh in, the, in, in this first one? Is he's so self-obsessed. Yeah, very narcissistic, and I think that trait gets removed in the next movie. Yes. But the thing is, besides the weird narcissism, his whole thing is that when he's hungry, he wants food. That is Pooh's driving force. That is is the... the, he He is a force of nature, and that nature is hunger. Piglet, though, is tiny, and he's getting blown away by this wind. Blow us all away. There's our Hamilton quote. Our required Hamilton quota has been filled. 
Um, I'm so glad we managed to get it in. I was, I by the way, I was, I've been thinking of that joke since I saw this movie last week. <laughs> um, I, I was like, I know oh, what yeah. you, I know, I know, but uh, it not as it was not as smooth as I wish it would have been, but it's there. I don't care. <laughs> I enjoyed it. So, so Pooh and Piglet go on a montage of unfortunate happenings as Piglet flies away and Pooh kind of holds on to what's left of Piglet's scarf as they're being dragged through the Hundred Acre Woods. Yeah, he's like flying on like a kite. And yes. They, they, this is the time when they end up at Owl's Yeah, house. they fly into Owl's house and he invites them in. And he starts telling the most boring story stories about strangers while the whole house rocks back and on forth. Its axis. Yes, and Pooh and Piglet are sliding around Pooh is trying very desperately to get some honey, but <laughs> well, it's always sliding away from him. And eventually it just kind of collapses onto the ground. Yes, the whole house collapses. Is this the bit? Yeah, okay, this... so the whole house collapses. This is the first sto- time the storybook thing comes up, yes. Okay, I cannot quite remember it, so can it, can you he, toss it out here? It, it's after, uh, so Eeyore decides that he's going to go find a new house for Owl. That that is his epic quest, which we do not yes. follow. Like Eeyore is Here's off the thing. doing Here's this the thing about Eeyore that you need to understand. He has the purest heart of anyone in the Hundred Acre Wood. Like nobody he... else went to go find a home for Owl. Yeah, Eeyore like jumps immediately, takes on this epic quest, goes off to do it, and we never see him until again, until the end right, of the until story, he finds the house. which. Yes. But, but I think that's beautiful. Like, like that's such a, like, that's, that's his character is like, I'm going to go do this thing on my own for my well, friend. That's, that's his character. But as, I was going to say, the other thing is it's for his friend and everybody else is kind of like, okay, bye Eeyore. Later Owl. Bye Owl. Well, is- no, 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 no. When Eeyore leaves, Owl decides to tell everyone else more boring stories about his relatives and this is where the book oh, thing comes in because because the the narrator mentions that he talks from page 41 to page 62 and then i believe Pooh goes to bed yes after this long day Just and this long this is... day of, be, of of being blown about by the wind yes and then getting an extremely boring story told to you for 20 pages He's going to sleep and he hears this really loud crashing noise. And this is this is another one of the um, stories I remembered from my childhood, which is the sudden introduction of Tigger. Yeah. Because the way Tigger introduces himself is by knocking down the door, pouncing on Pooh, and then asking him, what's a Pooh? Which is a loaded question. <laughs> You know what the answer to that question is, Tigger. <laughs> Tigger and Pooh have a very, very, very violent, very brief introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, I think, the most infamous song in Winnie the Pooh, and also the only song in this like entire movie that I really enjoy, which is uh, The Wonderful Thing About Tigger's. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to talk about the song, like the dream sequence song. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? That song's not good. <laughs> These tiggers are wonderful things. I Wait, I... their tops? What are their tops made of? Their tops are made out of rubber. Their bottoms are made out of springs. Their bottoms are made of springs. Okay. 
They're bouncy, trouncy, flouncy, pouncy, fun, 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 fun. But the most wonderful, wonderful thing about Tiggers is I'm the only one. There we go. Thank you for leading us in that sing-along, Andy. Yeah, that... You can buy the MP3 of that. No, you can't. Don't don't joke about that. It's in the show notes. Don't joke about that. I wasn't even singing it. I was just trying to remember the lyrics. But yeah, like, I... I, I I sang along with that song when I was watching the movie because like that's what I did as a kid, right? Like, it's it's the song from Winnie the Pooh. I mean, I remember like three mm-hmm. other songs from Winnie the Pooh, but that's the big one. I think my favorite thing about this. I have this... a note here that says, I have a note here that says, "Why is everyone so bad at mirrors?" And I don't remember what that is, except I think Pooh might point a gun at a mirror at one point. Yes. Oh, and then, and he, then he sees he that it's him. T- he sees that it's him, and then he starts talking to his reflection like it's another person. Yes. Which is kind of sad, I guess? Well, I... What I wanted to it's talk a about... It's thing Piglet moves in with them, because he's going nuts. Yes, it's... It, the dementia is really getting to, to to that old bear. But here's the thing about, about Tigger's introduction that I really, really like, is that it, <laughs> Tigger's introduction feels like a kid who just got a new toy and is figuring yes. out that that toy's role in his imaginary like playtime because mm-hmm. at first Tigger tells Pooh that he loves honey, eats a little bit and then decides no, Tigger's hate honey. They it and and then scares him about all of these uh heffalumps and woozles that were, are going to steal his honey and then he le- and then he just leaves. And then Pooh, having been told about heffalumps and woozles and being for some reason that and you, it's because he's a narcissist who only loves honey. Terrified. That his honey was going to be stolen by anyone. That his honey is going to be stolen. He has a nightmare sequence that is like <laughs> something out of one of the darker parts of Dumbo. This is very 1970s acid trip Disney. Yeah. And I had completely forgotten about it. So when it started happening, I was like, oh, fuck, this movie has one too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then his dream sequence is actually, I believe, interrupted by a flood. Yes. The Hundred Acre Forest is, uh, Hundred Acre Woods is flooding. Yes. And Eeyore, the only friend worth having in these woods, is still house hunting in the floodwater. Yeah, he... (laughs) He just keeps on carrying on. But, uh, Little Piglet, Piglet. Little Piglet... And I think is one of the funniest visual gags of the movie where he keeps trying to bail the water into like pots and pans and then they sink once they get full Mm -hmm. until eventually he's dragged out of his home on nothing but a chair. Pooh, on the other hand, has moved all of his 10 honey pots, the only objects of importance in his house, and himself onto a tree branch. Yes, that's right. Also, But gets stuck in one of the jars as he's eating and also ends up floating away with Piglet. (laughs) <laughs> and like we said before, it's especially it, this is especially true here. He's so self-centered in this movie. He genuinely seems to care about his honey more than Piglet at this point. Yeah, it's it 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 very much seems to be so. So everyone else in the Hundred Acre Woods is at Christopher Robin's house because it's the highest. It's a, it has the highest ground of the whole forest, and they tell and they find Piglet's like little bottle note that he wrote when he before he got kicked out of his house by the floodwaters, mm-hmm. 
and they decide to send Owl of all people to let Piglet know that help is on the way. Here's the thing. Owl can fly. This makes sense. Right? Now, if Owl was also somebody who, like... Was intelligent. Was, like, like yeah, like, ever had an independent thought that was useful. <laughs> he uh, might be a good person to send along. The entire time this scene was happening, all I could think of was just, just carry them away. You're a fucking owl. You're a bird. The best part is... They, they, uh, Piglet and Pooh and Owl all fall over a waterfall, and Owl flies down <laughs> like a fucking asshole. With his friends, Andy. Like a fucking <laughs> asshole, he gently flies down and lands on Pooh, and both of them are like, "Well, where the fuck is Piglet?" I was trying to think of what that visual reminded me of. Do you know what it reminded me of? What? The part in the Lion King where Simba's caught in the stampede and Zazu finds him. <laughs> Zazu can't do anything because Zazu is, is tiny. Like, yes. And it's not the same thing. Owl is massive. He's like one of the biggest characters. <laughs> oh. oh, fuck. Oh. So everyone thinks that Pooh rescued Piglet um, and they decide to throw a party celebrating that event. And this is how you know Pooh is Christopher Robin's favorite toy. Yes. Like, at the end of the day, like, all of the weird things that... All the weird logic and intrinsic plot points of this all kind of go back to the fact that this is a kid playing with his with his toys and having a good time and telling this story. Mm-hmm. Because the idea that after all of these amazing things happen, everyone just goes, Yay, Pooh did it! Is such a, like, five-year-old thing to do. Yeah, that's that's baffling. But... You, you, that's child logic. That's where that's where you go with it. Exactly. And I believe that's when Eeyore shows up. Yes. And he goes... He says something like, Yay, Eeyore. Yay, Eeyore. Eeyore <laughs> did it. <laughs> and he goes and shows them that he found Owl his new house, which is Piglet's house. And Piglet won could definitely live in the house with Owl. Owl definitely knows this is Piglet's house. (laughs) Everybody, except possibly Eeyore, because I genuinely don't think Eeyore would do this to his friend Piglet, knows this is Piglet's house, and nobody says anything. Yeah, like, like this this really much, this very much feels like, like, such a, like, uh, social faux pas. Yes. And nobody wants to speak up. And then... Pooh says Piglet can live with him, so it does work out because Piglet is quite small, and he can live basically wherever. Yeah, like seriously, he could live inside of a cup, <laughs> but it's or a teapot, perhaps. Yes, that was a reference to something that we actually didn't mention, which is that he ends up in a teapot. Yes, <laughs> but so so Owl so Christopher Robin decides to throw two hero parties. Could have just done the one. Yeah, I mean, seriously. For Eeyore, the real hero. The real hero. Actually, Pooh did let Piglet live with them last minute, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's like the the least selfish thing he does in any of these stories. Right, and so we end at the party, and now we're at the final story. Yeah, and now we're in the final story, which is... Which is about Rabbit being mad that an apex predator slightly inconvenienced him. (laughs) I mean... 
That's what it's about. It's like rabbit trying to like dig up his root vegetables and a fucking tiger shows up and hops. And rabbit's like, ooh, that tiger, instead of oh my god, a tiger, which he should be happy. Now you about. have to you have to remember that rabbit is a real rabbit, but Tigger is a stuffed animal. Remember I that. Understand. So yeah. so what is happening is this very real rabbit who is trying to survive is interrupted by this fucking stuffed ass animal who won't let him store food so that he doesn't die in the winter. Rabbit's life is hell. I like rabbit being the only real animal it makes his life so much harder. Because that's not just Tigger that does that. That's every other character who does that. There, there is, they don't realize they don't need to eat. There is, I remember the Winnie the Pooh, like, 90s animated show, which I grew up with. Like, there's a story okay. where where Tigger pretends to be like a Zorro kind of superhero and he keeps okay. trying to help everybody, but what in reality, he's actually been making everybody's life a lot worse. Mm. And everybody, like, kind of runs him out of the Hundred Acre Woods and he realizes that he made all these mistakes. But then all of them end up in very real danger and they beg him to help him. And they and he realizes, like, this is my chance. Like, this is my chance to be a hero. And he dresses up and he, like, I don't even remember what the problem is, but I remember at the end everyone going, like, oh, thanks, Tigger, you're the best. Okay. Uh, there, there, was no, there was no point to this tangent. I just really remembered this story from this old tv show and i wanted to tell it no that's fine i'm i'm into it uh the actually tigger story i remember from the old tv show is about him not wanting a bath so it's not as good i think i remember that one too actually yeah yeah i specifically remember that throughout the whole episode he says that if you take a bath that's the end (laughs) and the joke was that he took a bath at the end of the episode (laughs) It's like a fucking monster at the end of the book. Thing. Yeah, Winnie Winnie the Pooh, I think, has has some genuinely clever, like, fourth wall-breaking bits. Mm-hmm. Which is so weird to me. Like, even the books have them. So Tigger... So... But, but, but so what happens is Rabbit's, like, trying to plant stuff or harvest stuff, and Tigger keeps interrupting him and bullying him over. So he comes up him. with... He comes up with the most insanely devious and so shitty bonkers. plan. This is the shittiest it's, it's thing you could awful. do to a person. Also, I just have this written down here. I don't... Oh, yeah, I remember. Tigger invented cell phone lingo. Did you realize this? <laughs> what do you mean? He goes, TTFN, ta-ta for now. That was ad-libbed by the ad- by the voice actor. You know that? Are you serious? Yeah. Like that and, and his laugh, the hoo-hoo-hoo. That's all... That's so funny, because... Paul Winchell, I think his name is. This was 70s, and this was, like, way before anybody would would genuinely do this often. I mean, yeah. obviously, people do, but I I find that really entertaining that, that he just threw it out there. By the, by the way, I just looked up the voice actor for Tigger because I wanted to know, like, maybe, like, know if maybe he'd done anything else. And he was a fucking ventriloquist. <laughs> and And his ventriloquist dummy... Looks like something out of a Goosebumps book. Holy shit. Great. Perfect. <laughs> so there's a little bit of horror. At the end of the day, this is still like a really good kids movie. My problem with it is is that it's not a kids movie that I could sit down and watch with a kid. Oh, I definitely could. Are you kidding me? I was so tired by the end of this movie of watching this movie. Fucking laughing at a 
gopher falling into At a hole for the, for the sixth you're time. The, you're the worst. <laughs> you know, you want, you you're know that I rewound worst. it so that I could see that joke again? Did you know? You did I tell you that bitch. I did that? <laughs> you're a die set and alone, Andy. Oh, wow. That's a bit harsh, but yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. Sorry, so, I got super real there for a second. <laughs> I did it. I, I, I rewound it every time. Oh my god, you're the worst. <laughs> like, it really fucking got me, man. I think what it was is his yell. Like, that voice actor's yell is just very good. It's a good yell. So, Rabbit's plan is to straight up just abandon Tigger in the woods. And then, mm. and maybe find him tomorrow, so that maybe Tigger will stop bouncing on people. Which is such a, yeah, which so, is, is a plan so full of holes. There's, there's so many holes in it, and one of them is just straight up, hey, do you, did you not realize how incredibly cruel that is? That is disgustingly cruel. Like, Rabbit, that is the worst thing you can do to another person. That's not true. I mean, that's not but true. <laughs> We're gonna murder but... Tigger, <laughs> and, and he'll never bounce on Tigger. me again. Wear him like a suit. I think that's the plot <laughs> of the Tigger movie. It's super not. No, it is. They wear um, Tiggers like suits. I remember that part where they all like skin themselves and reveal that they're just his old friends, and he gets really sad. Oh my god. Yeah. Like yeah, right. Well, now that you think of, we should watch the Tigger movie and Piglet's Big movie because those are both like so adjacent to each other in my mind. Or we could finish talking about this movie. Well, yeah, we'll do that. We'll uh. do that. Let's do that. So they, so, so they, they abandon Tigger and hide in the log, and Tigger, after not being able to find them, just goes home. Right, because Tigger fucking knows where he is and what he's doing. Uh, the people who don't know where they are, or what they're doing. Pooh, Piglet, and Rabbit. <laughs> they just get lost in the woods for a while. The, the This is another one of my favorite lines in this movie where, where after they've been walking in circles and they keep ending up back at the same sandpit and Pooh suggests that maybe instead of trying to find their way home, they try to find their way to the sandpit so that they end up at home instead. That one got you, huh? I fucking just like... Like, kid logic, to me, is, like, the best thing in the world, and that is such a good example of it. I think here's why I didn't find it funny. And it's not because it's not funny, it's because, like, I read a lot of fantasy. Yeah. And in a lot of fantasy, that'll be what you're supposed to do. But that's but fantasy <laughs> sucks and is dumb. Hey, Andy. Come what fight up? me. Why don't I tell you what happens to Taco? <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait. <laughs> shit but that's different that's good and is there I'm, no i'm gonna tell you and, what happens to talk and therefore you come out here and fight and me therefore it's not fantasy because it's good you motherfucker i have listen i have a lot of conflicting opinions about fantasy but, like, but weird conflict you like dune you keep on trying to get me to read dune because dune is so fucking good it's like so good though so after being lost for oh, fucking God. ever yeah okay Pooh and Piglet uh, decide to follow Pooh's stomach. Which will always find its way to honey, I believe is the idea, right? Yeah, because he because because his honey his tummy knows where home is, because home is where the honey is. 
Yes. And Rabbit... Just, do they leave Rabbit or do they get separated? No, Rabbit leaves them because uh, they decide to take a nap. Okay. And um, I believe Pooh and Piglet meet up with Christopher Robin? Uh, Is that right? I think they meet up. I think they just meet up with Tigger. Well, see, I have this note here that says it's winter. Christopher Run put on some pants. I uh, think that's no, that's later. that's the next bit. Okay, so they meet up with Tigger, and, and I don't think he understood that people could get lost. Yeah, because they they mentioned the fact that. Rabbit planned to just fucking leave Tigger in the woods, and Tigger they is... They mentioned their dark betrayal. And Tigger is so oblivious to the idea of getting lost that he's just like, that sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Everyone knows Tiggers can't get lost. Which, again, feels very... <laughs> focusing on the right thing. Yeah, which, again, feels very like kid figuring out what this toy's role is. <laughs> so they go in the forest and find Rabbit, and Rabbit is so scared of being lost in the forest that when Tigger comes around and bounces on him, Rabbit pr- practically, like, begs on hands and knees to for- if Tigger can ever forgive him. And Tigger, again, not really understanding the severity of the situation that he this w- conceivably could have been in. It's just like, yeah. Yeah, you Dumbo. T- Tiggers don't get lost, and then they go home. And then Rabbit learns his lesson, which is... Don't try to fuck with your friends, Dad, asshole. don't fucking... Just tell your friends you don't want them bouncing around so much instead of losing them in the fucking forest. But we'll get back to that. Now Now it's wintertime because Rue wants to play... Right. Rue and Tigger are going to play in the snow together. Yeah. And Rue is... I don't really remember the characters of Rue and Kanga from the books very well. I remember them... I remember Rue a lot better in the... Um, Tigger movie. In the cartoons, because his role is always, like, Tigger's sidekick. Yes. Because Tigger is basically a large child. Literally, in in that episode I was talking about where Tigger decides to be a Zoro-like superhero, Rue is his actual, actual sidekick. It's kind of adorable. It's super adorable. Well, like, Tigger loves bouncing, and Rue is a kangaroo. And also likes bouncing. I, if I remember, if I remember from the books, Rue doesn't really have a character other than being Kanga's child. Yeah, and in, he, the Rue stuffed animal might be inside the pouch. Yeah, like sewn in. Yeah, and Kanga, Kanga's character seems to be exclusively just mother. Like this is yes. what a mom acts like. I used to have stuffed animals like that. Uh, I had, I had a like, I had like toy figures like. Looking back, I wish I, I had one stuffed animal. I had one teddy bear, and his name was Steve. Uh, My teddy bear's name was Teddy. It's very original. I was an infant. So was I. Don't start with me. I named, I to be fair, I named my teddy bear after the guy from Blue's Clues, so... Cute. The great thing about Steve was... The great thing about Steve was uh, I gave him to my little brother... Whereupon, my little brother got so mad at me one day, he grabbed Steve by the arm, swung to hit me with Steve, and all that hit me was the end of the arm, which he had accidentally <laughs> torn off. Wow, okay. My, okay, my teddy bear, which I still own, survived me eating it. What? A dog, like, as a baby, I, like, gnawed at it until it okay, was like, that, patches off. Sorry, that is a completely different story, too. <laughs> To the f- I did not eat the entire thing, no. 
Also, when we got a dog that was a year old, she found it and was like, rah, 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 rah. yeah, d- the dog thing. Yeah, you know when they're teething, especially they try to, yeah, get into stuff. This yeah. was a tangent. If any episode is a good one to talk about old stuffed animals, this is it. Oh yeah, definitely. I ha- I, I think I still own this second stuffed animal that my sister swears is not mine. I remember her giving it to me when she was when I was a baby. And I think she meant for that to just be temporary. Yeah. I I meant <laughs> I meant for my little brother to temporarily own Steve and uh he did not survive unfortunately. Pity. But but uh, you know it happens. Ruin Tigger. I I was going to say I current I I currently own two oh, two, I... stuffed an- two stuffed two stuffed stuffed things. One's an animal. The other, the other one? It's a little Spider-Man. Okay. Come on, what did you think it was going to be? Nothing. Uh, nothing specifically, but since we're releasing this on the internet, Let's I feel like everything needs to be defined. <laughs> well, we hit our Marvel quota for this episode, so let's move on. <laughs> so they decide to, uh, Tigger decides to look after Rue because Rue wants to play, but Kanga is busy doing mom stuff. Sure. Balancing her checkbook. Yeah, I, or uh, doing taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, running a very successful business. You know, things moms do. The, the people on the Hundred Acre Woods don't work. Maybe she's foraging. It's winter. Uh, so like, she could be hanging up. Maybe she's making clothes? jam. Who knows? I don't remember what she was doing. Sorry? I, she, oh, was I she think she up... was making them clothes, actually. Yeah, like she was sewing. Did I say... Yeah. I think I might have said hanging up, but I, I, meant, I meant to say making... Uh, whatever. I think she actually makes him a scarf in that scene, is what happens. I think she makes that scarf and then puts it on him. Yeah. But, so Tigger... Which I, I have always loved, because not that many people wear scarves in the winter. Yeah, I do. Um, But I have always loved in cartoons. You know, c- cartoon characters always have this one costume that they wear, this one thing that they wear. <laughs> yeah. And what, what they always do in the winter is just put a scarf on them. And... I fucking love it. It's so stupid. There's no reason for like, it. I'm wearing tank tops and some bright blue shorts, but it's winter, and you know, because I'm wearing this scarf. Well, Christopher Robin. Christopher Robin's wearing, like, a jacket and a scarf and his tiny little short shorts. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Christopher Robin's short shorts. In fact, I was, hoping, I was hoping we could go the entire episode without talking about how ridiculous Christopher Robin's outfit is. Well, it's the middle of winter, and he should be, be said that he he should be wearing pants uh, at least. So Tigger decides to take Rue ice skating because rabbit they see rabbit skating. Oh yeah, poor rabbit. Yeah, Tigger tries to teach Rue to ice skate, but he instead like runs into rabbit and decides that he does not like ice skating, so that they should go mm-hmm. do something else. And what he decides to do is jump to the top of a very very tall tree and this is where the big uh uh-oh happens this is the real frightfuls (laughs) we can't can't keep referencing other podcasts no you have to understand that i have introduced that word into my vernacular since i watched that uh listen to that episode i love it i i do too tigger is afraid of climbing down this tree very cat-like in that way Mm mm-hmm while this is all happening, Pooh and Piglet found these strange animal tracks, and they're following them, and suddenly they hear Tigger howling for help, and they decide to go investigate. Oh, right. They get terrified. Yep. 
Oh, did they, oh yeah, that's right. They get scared because they think it's like a, I, I, another animal. Probably a heffalump. I mean, if you put a gun to my head and say what care, well, what animal is Pooh afraid of? I'd say heffalump. I would say Woozle, but that's only because that's the that's the big bad in the next movie. I think. I feel like heffalumps are the ones in the books, though. No, heffalumps it's and heffalumps and Woozles are both in the books. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, I only and, remember the heffalumps. I mean, neither of them are actually in the books anyway. I mean, yeah, they're like they're they're they're, they're they're talked about as being these scary other things. So they find Tigger and ruin the tree, and decide to go get who else but well, Christopher Rue Robin. Well, just gets down, doesn't he? No, Rue's still up there. Yeah, Rue's just hanging onto Tigger's tail and swinging around, having a good old time. Oh, that's right. And yes. Tigger's just terrified out of his mind. And so, so they go and get Christopher Robin, and the whole gang comes along, and they're all just like, don't know what they can do to help him and tigger is just too scared to come down and rabbit just goes well fuck it we'll just leave him up up there forever then fucking dick not not his exact words kind soul (laughs) yeah those were his exact words those were his exact words we'll just fucking leave him up there fucking dick that's his full name actually is richard tigger fucking i hate you I hate you. This podcast is over, and you disgust me. I, I can't believe uh, that's the... I would have thought that that joke should have come in when I told you that I rewound every single time Gopher fell into his hole. What is wrong with me? You know what? If if I thought anyone could answer that, Andy... Oh, <laughs> um, uh, what a fucking... What a good bit. So they get they get Rue down by pulling out a blanket and having him bounce onto it. Yeah. Tigger, it's not happening. Tigger refuses to, to jump down. There. But the way it's resolved, I just hate it. They do a similar thing in the next movie that is way, 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 way better. Yes. But yes. I, I like the idea. I like the setup. I do not like the execution. Because the setup is that the narrator just comes in and says that he could help Tigger. And Tigger uh, asks if he can be narrated down. What I expected was for the narrator to just skip to the part where Tigger's already down. What instead happens is he tilts the book sideways, letting Tigger step on the words of the page they're on. And this is, this is, we haven't really mentioned it the other times because it hasn't been a plot point but throughout this the whole movie all three of the shorts there has been this sort of running joke that hey they're in a book yeah this is a, yeah, like a constant reminders that hey remember this is all a book this is all a story and the thing is the first time they referenced it it wasn't very funny and the last time they referenced it i was just fucking done with it it's not a bad concept i feel like if you break the fourth wall poorly, you're left with basically, you're left with a broken wall is what you've done. Yeah, and well, and that's the thing is, is they fully commit to this bit that at the end of the day doesn't add anything to the story, really. And the... And well, I feel like it kind of retracts. Yeah, and because... In fact, because they're... The only time it's... don't resolve what happened with Tigger. Yeah, and, and, and the only time it can sort of be used as a punchline is with... Uh, gophers bit oh oh i forget that uh that tigger promised that if 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 he ever got down he would never bounce again ever oh and that's when rabbit's really like oh let's get let's get him down now i don't have to throw him into the woods yeah and then rabbit tries to like 
make him never bounce again and everybody else gives him this glare like dude he can't just do this to your friend rabbit's been learning a lot this um this yeah this story rabbit realizes that he shouldn't just keep tigger from doing this thing that he loves and then tigger teaches rabbit how to bounce which which the idea <laughs> the idea that rabbit lived that his entire life not knowing how to bounce really says all, really explains a lot about where he is in life uh, i like how we both said which at the same time like you know that we both realized at the same time wait a minute wait a fucking second that actually doesn't make any sense I guess it, it. So let's talk about how this how this movie ends because I fucking hate it. Okay. This movie ends with Christopher Robin going to school. Yes. Okay. One problem with this is in the stories Christopher Robin goes to school all the time, and actually the reason Piglet is cool is because you can take him to kindergarten because he's small. But. The thing I have a problem with is that what happens at the end of this story is a mirror of what happens at the end of the final Winnie the Pooh story, which is Christopher Robin saying goodbye to his best friend from his imagination, yes. who as far as he is concerned will not exist anymore, and he makes sure that Pooh will always remember him, because he knows in a way that the actual Christopher Robin couldn't have known at this time, that he will stop remembering Pooh, at least in this way. And when Christopher Robin asks that of Pooh, as he's going to school, it's it, one, cheapens it. It cheapens this powerful moment that you only get after reading, like, 50 Winnie the Pooh stories. And two, it it's like a way melancholy note to end this movie on so i i feel like these three shorts and this movie exist in a really weird place because so they got the rights to do these shorts and uh and in the middle of production of these shorts walt disney passes away so he 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 only hands on he only hands on produced the first one and kind of the second one so they're in this weird place of like well we have we have to send off this thing because this is one of the last things that Walt Disney touched, so we have to we have to do this like sentimental thing for him. But also, there there was this, I feel like maybe there was this feeling that after this there was going to be no more Winnie the Pooh things, which is is extremely far from the truth. But yeah, so so if if like in the mindset of nineteen seventy seven, it it I feel like maybe there was this thought that like this is going to be the last Winnie the Pooh thing we animate. So we we need to like let the kids who watch this know like hey remember like remember this this is a special thing and we want kids to to remember this as the special thing that it is or that it was but what ended up happening historically is that like sometime in the like 90s they started like really like milking Winnie the Pooh as a product yeah, they freaking pumped out Winnie the Pooh. Like they 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 got uh, like they Winnie the Pooh's had like five different television shows. One of which in the nineties was really good. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh grew up with that shit. OG, OP, original Pooh. Okay. I'm gonna 
that's a hashtag for this episode. We should do. Should we do hashtags for episodes? Is that a thing we do? We we should hashtag yes. original poo. <laughs> hashtag original poo. I'm going to forget that that exists. I should make a note of it when I um when I edit. This. <laughs> hey Tony, make a note hashtag original poo. Put that in the episode description and when you tweet it out. Good job. Boom boom. Thanks, buddy. But yeah, like Winnie the Pooh is one of like Disney's like most milked properties. Like endless, countless direct-to-video movies. And you know the reason it's the most milked property is because, goddamn it, but it makes you feel so good. It really. Well, I I don't know about the like more recent television shows, which are all feel like very like Mickey Mouse made for babies shows more than for children. You know. There was there was a really problematic one. Like seven years ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, was it the CGI it was one? Problematic. Yeah, because they had a little girl in it instead of Christopher Robin. Oh, that's remember this weird. One? I I didn't know there was a little girl in it. I just knew it was CGI. That's fucking weird. Why the fuck would they do that? It was for like little little kids, and for some reason they decided to change Christopher Robin for a little girl, and that's pretty fucked. Yeah. Because I am fine. I am fine with recasting characters, but not. Like an actual human person that was genuinely part of the story, you know. Uh, maybe real life Christopher Robin would have appreciated it, actually. Yeah, but I think his daughter was mad about it. I would be too. Yeah. Like, fuck you. That's my dad. I don't think he was a big fan of Winnie the Pooh, but I bet his he, kids were. Well, he wasn't. No, he wasn't a big fan of his dad. Was the thing. Like he, he, him, him and Christopher Robin Milne didn't get along with his parents very well. Uh. That's a crying shame. Yeah, but and he—that's one of the saddest things that has ever been said to me. <laughs> well, he he ended up kind of resolving his relationship with his dad. He ended up taking care of his dad up until his death. Um, I think his his big problem with his dad was his dad was always so busy, and he felt like his father kind of milked, like the way Disney milked Winnie the Pooh, milked his own mm-hmm. son for this product. And, sure. and like, kind of as he grew up, he realized, like, my dad didn't give a shit about these kids' stories any more than, mm. like, he cared about his playwriting work. That's what he cared about. These stories were a thing that he did in, like, a moment in time. So so his, his relationship with his father did end up, like, patching over by the time his father passed away. But, yeah, it, there's, there's a lot there, you know. And, like, un- unfortunately, A.A. A. Milne nor Christopher Robin Milne, like, really ever wrote anything about this, about their lives, so we don't like I don't think we'll ever know the extent to which they did or didn't like each other. The only thing left of both of them are these stories. It's just that I feel like I get along pretty well with my dad. Same. And he never ever wrote all of my stuffed animals into a storybook world for me or for an audience of millions, frankly. <laughs> like I I understand why how that even could put a wedge in between you because hey it feels like he's raising the imaginary kid instead of the real kid yeah but on the other hand it's not very often that and this is one of the best things about being an artistic type person is because you can an artistic leaning person i guess is a better way to say it yeah is because you can show people you care in ways like this it's so it, it, it is so rare to see proof just that somebody loved you. Just here is something on paper that lets you know 
that somebody cared very much about you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, like, like, like pe- people are very complicated. So it's possible that while... People are complicated and, fuck, I don't know what happened when he was in high school or whatever, you know? Or even, or even like, like he, he, he mentioned offhand in, like, an interview that he... He was raised more by the the the, the family made than by his parents, because his parents were mm. fairly wealthy British people, and I've seen I've seen enough uh, British movies to know that nannies kind of do most of the parent work for them. I was gonna say Rumpel. I was gonna go with Mary Poppins actually, but yeah, that one works too. But anyway, but yeah, like, like it, anyway. it 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 must it must have been weird as like if 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 their relationship was as. Uh, distant as what I have read lets on. It must have been kind of a weird conflicting thing to grow up as a child having this tangible evidence that your father cared about you, but not getting it from the person themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that must be strange. Back to our comedy podcast. Hey. Let's talk about, maybe we should remove this from the hey, comedy wait, section. Stop, 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 stop. Hey, hey guys. Welcome to our comedy podcast. Your dad loves you. <laughs> I, yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, this is a really... I know so many people who do not get along with their dads at all, so I don't want to make a broad statement like that. I also know a lot of people who do get along very well with their parents. It's just like, you know... Look, if your dad doesn't love you, then we love you enough. Yeah. Or at least I do. I can't speak for Andy. I No, for sure. Heck yeah. It's... Uh, it's, it's super easy to love people you haven't met. You should try it. It's the easiest. Try loving us! and give us that sweet five star rating (laughs) (laughs) boom synergy got him and you thought this one wasn't gonna be a comedy podcast reeled him in at the last minute (laughs) you thought we loved you but in reality we just loved your five star ratings that's not true don't take that out of context I have enough love for both of those things yeah I can I can I can both love uh, the the weird amalgamous concept of the audience as well as the fact that they love us back and uh, any individual person who does leave a five-star rating and review, I will genuinely love you for that. Also, I'll be terrified about the fact that you exist. <laughs> what a weird, conflicting feeling. We just broke the fourth wall in such a hard way, and I feel like it's this movie's fault. Also, at least one of my sisters listens to this. So, hi, Annie. I love you. Um, also, my dad might? So, uh, hi, Dad. Love you too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think my little brother listens to this occasionally. I know a couple of people who who on and off I think listen your to this. Little brother might follow me on Twitter. He probably does. Let's get into it. Let's do this. So, Winnie the Pooh, 2011 version with Craig Ferguson. Craig other Ferguson. Actors, I assume. That other actors, s- I, I I don't immediately know. That Irish Scottish Conan guy. I remember that was his <laughs> his description of himself uh, in one of the introductions that he did for yeah. his old late night show. The lesbian, the the lesbian on late night TV. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Fuck, that's really good. Yeah, I always like that one. There a lot of a lot of big things about this movie. First of all, this is only the third time a sequel to a Disney animated classic was done in-house. What was the what were the other two? Rescuers Down Under and Fantasia okay. 2000. Oh. Oh no. <laughs> Not that one. Yeah, that one. So, uh, and the Rescuers Down Under is uh, it's it's mediocre. 
I remember watching The Rescuers Down Under, and I don't think I ever watched The Rescuers as a kid. I think I've only seen the Down Under version. Yeah, it's not great. God, no wonder Disney sequels have always been done by other people if those are the ones that have come out that well, yeah, right? like, are actually like, done by Disney. Swing and a Miss, a Bunt, and what I think is a home run. I very much enjoyed this movie. Oh, this was, this movie was so much better than the work it was based off of. It is a delight to watch. Uh, that is, it's so much better than the first Winnie the Pooh movie, not than the books, because the books have their own charm that is hard to replicate. Yeah, the books have the books say. have their own kind of feel that, but this movie hits a tone mm-hmm. that I think is genuinely charming and beautiful. Uh, the second, oh yes, the second thing is uh, Eeyore's canonical voice, Peter Cullen, did not voice Eeyore in this movie. Okay, he was busy. Uh, recording for Transformers Dark of the Moon. Oh, no. Because Peter Cullen... Oh, Eeyore. Peter Cullen is the voice of uh, of Optimus Prime. Oh, uh, okay. Title... Okay. Yeah, so he was busy. Wait. Farting Optimus the Decepticons. and Eeyore are the same guy? Yeah, right? I know. Well, Peter... So, so... Peter Cullen uh, originally was the voice of Ironhide in the 80s cartoons. Okay. Uh, And then they brought him... No, wait. And then he was the voice of Optimus Prime in the... After the original voice actor, like, decided to not come back. But yeah, he's been the canon voice of ER forever since we were alive. Since we've been alive. It's been him. Interesting. But for this film, it was uh, it was a guy named Bud Lucky who wow. who has the most interesting uh, name, but also just the most interesting <laughs> career. Yeah, let's hear some of it. Let's get some highlights. So he he worked. He was he was a side character on Sesame Street from 1972 to 1993. Oh my God! Is it I, Donnie so Bud? Because I. I, here's the thing. I hadn't even thought about it until just this moment. That sounds like my dream job. Being a side character on Sesame Street? Yeah. Right? It sounds like <laughs> it like would be such a great time to just be like a dude who sh- like is in every episode but only occasionally does anything. I want to have a skit with Cookie Monster. I want to be that guy that Big Bird is sad that died. Okay, wait. Wait a minute. I remember watching God, a documentary. I'm so not about Ses- you literally not about Ses- you literally just made me the saddest I have ever been since we started recording. Oh. Well, I remember watching a documentary not about Sesame Street, but about like, but it was about stuff like that. I think the point was an actor died mm-hmm. who had been on Sesame Street for like thirty years. Yeah, and they decided to make an episode about the fact that their friend died. Yes. And so the episode focused a lot on Big Bird, who is kind of a kid, I guess, even though he lives by himself and has a giant imaginary friend. I mean, um, all, all of the the Muppets in Sesame Street are, like, kind of kids. Yeah, but, like, I mean, like, Cookie Monster and Grover are, like, adults. And Ernie and Bert are, like, adults. And Big Bird, like, 
often asks for other people's help and stuff like this. Uh, I guess, like, Little Bear and, and Telly are kids. Yeah. Point is, the point is, um, Big Bird's like a big kid, so, like, they talk about death in this episode and about losing someone in this episode. Yeah. And it was talked about later as an episode they were all really proud of because they lost their friend and they were glad to be able to... Give him closure. Have... Yeah, and not only that, but, like, you know, they're supposed to be teaching kids stuff. And one of the things they felt like they could teach kids was that sometimes these things happen and it's okay to be sad about it. And it's okay to stop being sad about it. Yeah. And and stuff like that. And I should not have gotten off on this tangent, but the idea that if I tragically died while working Sesame Street, a Muppet would be sad about it is beautiful. I find it beautiful. I, I, I mean, you're, you're a big fan of the Muppets. So yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from. It's just such a super weird thing to just throw out, though, man. But yeah, so he he was a he was kind of a side guy in Sesame Street for a long time. He he did a lot of singing stuff for them. But his primary career was being a directing animator for a lot of TV shows. Uh, he animated for a lot of kind of just side television shows. He did some storyboard art for the for a, like a Back to the Future TV series that I don't think took off. Hey. He animated a lot of stuff that, for... That, that was barely a joke. Bud Lucky's primary career has been an animator and character designer. His most notable movies that he worked on, Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2... Monsters Inc. Cars. Ah. So he is he is a Pixar animator. That he's is a Pixar animator, huh? But he's been animating since the sixties. Oh damn. Yeah, like this guy's OG. But you will recognize him as being the voice of Agent Rick Dicker in The Incredibles. He's he's the federal agent who's the Incredibles handler, and he's also the voice of Chuckles the Clown in Toy Story Three. Now, which one is Chuckles the Clown? Chuckles was uh, Lotso's clown friend. I don't remember that I just remember the big baby. He tells the story. Uh, him and the big baby, they tell the story of what happened to Lotso and why Lotso's so fucking evil. I don't remember the clown at all. It's been... Well, he's a horrifying little fuck. A while since I've seen this movie. Uh, seven years for me. Is that when it came out? Yep. Watched it in the theater. Yeah, same. And then I went to college yeah. a couple years after that. Uh, I watched it in the theater with my little cousin who told me about the tra- the burning in the trash thing, so it didn't... I feel like she kind of robbed me of that. And also asked me if I liked it while we were still watching it, which she was too young to realize is incredibly rude to everyone else in the theater. <laughs> oh, I can't laugh. Well, don't do it. Uh, but yeah, so so this guy is the voice. This of... is a serious comedy podcast, Andy. Keep your shit together. So this is so yeah. Anyway, so the, this uh, Bud Lucky guy, who for all intents and purposes, like he's an animator, but like he his Eeyore voice to me is really fucking great. It's a good Eeyore voice. I didn't even suspect that it was somebody who hadn't played Eeyore for forever. For e- ever, he'd never played Eeyore before. It's wild. Like this was his first and only credit as Eeyore. 
Eeyore has a big role in this movie, which tells me that one of the writers is freaking keyed in to, like, people's favorite characters. Yeah, seriously. Like, Eeyore and Rabbit, both in this movie, have, like, some pretty significant character roles that are really good. And they're both true to their characters and also different than their the roles that they got in the last movie. Yeah. So, in the opening of Winnie the Pooh, it has the same opening as the, as the last movie. Yes. We see Christopher Robin's room. And we enter the book again. Yes. And I don't hate it this time. Last time it rubbed me the wrong way for whatever reason. This time maybe because I knew it was going to happen. Maybe because of how it was presented. You know what I think I it is? It I think it's the narrator. Is a, the narrator for the old Winnie the Pooh is this very like generic like, Oh, I'm a, some old British fuck. And I'm yes. here to tell you an old British story. Blah, blah, blah. But, but John Cleese... John Cleese is the narrator? Yes, he has some fucking character in his voice. Yes, he is, sir. This is a star-studded cast. This is a great movie. It's got two stars, and it's (laughs) star-studded. But but let me tell you, those two stars, they do some fucking work. John Cleese is the narrator for this film, and he is fantastic. The narrator in this film feels more like a fatherly voice than the last one. Like, John Cleese mm-hmm. knows how to narrate. Like, he fucking knows how to narrate. He has a warmth to his voice that the other narrators doesn't have for me. And his interactions with the characters in the film are also very different. They're not they're not so holier than thou as the other narrators were. In fact, he almost seems kind of like, like playing along with them. Sure. He's not, like, stiffer. Like, oh, this is the story that's being told and... And fuck you. I'm going to tell it, yeah. So we get John Cleese, apparently, bringing us in, and I believe it is, again, a mirror of what happens in the beginning of the last movie, where Pooh is getting out of bed. Yes. Right? Yes, it's it's an homage to that, but also very different, because instead of just kind of poking him awake, he ends up having to, like, flip the book around. <laughs> to to get him out of bed and awake. Yes. And um, Pooh sings a song to his tummy about how hungry he is. Mm-hmm. And this is when we get the main, Pooh's main motivation in this movie. Which is? As as it was in the beginning of the, the last movie, which is he wants some honey. He just, he just really, he's got to get that, he's got to get that sweet bee juice. Is that? Chase that honey. Is that good? <laughs> Bee juice? Bee juice? That's very bad. That sounds awful. Besides, Andy, that sounds that sounds like squeezing up, like I'm squeezing bees. Ugh. Whatever you do on your own time. I don't want behind closed doors. I don't want to. I don't want to me. do this. Save me from myself. Okay. Pooh goes out to find some honey because, like in the last movie, he is out. Mm-hmm. He is all. He is out of those smackerels of honey. He meets up with. Owl, Eeyore, and Piglet. Eeyore is perfect. Eeyore is just a delight. I cannot stress enough how much this Bud Lucky guy fucking aced this Eeyore. Like, and let let me remind everybody, this is the first and only time he played Eeyore. Which is a crime. It seems like a crime. It might be a crime. <laughs> I'm going to assume that the reason he hasn't played Eeyore again is because he's 
He's too busy being an animator. <laughs> <laughs> so we, yes, so we see Eeyore, um, Pooh and Piglet are all together, and Owl is um, giving them this self-important lecture about how he's a writer, and um, then he starts reading his own writing, and it is, it's basically what Owl always should have been. Which they kind of touched on by him telling these boring stories in the last one, but they didn't push it enough. It's not about him telling stories about somebody who nobody ever knew. It's about him telling these stories that he made up, and you should listen because he's Owl. Because he's so important. An owl. Oh, and Pooh says, Pooh says the owl has such a talent for telling us what to do. <laughs> and it's so great. It's such a good, every every line in this film is delightful. And and I want to point out also that Owl is played by uh, Craig Ferguson. We briefly mentioned this earlier. Yes. And Craig Ferguson. One of, one of my favorite people. And also, again, first, and from what I can tell, only time playing this character, perfect. I cannot imagine anyone else doing this role he was so good as it we never mentioned this in the last movie but in the last movie a few times Pooh points out that he has little brain yeah he's a bear of very little brain a bear of very little brain and when he says it in this movie it feels very natural when he says it in the other movie it sounds like it's just something he's supposed to say it sounds like uh, something that someone else told him so he just repeats it yeah, and in this movie, it's it's like a slight concern of his. Yeah, like, like I'm not the smart guy, Owl. Yeah, it's like the same way you would remind somebody that you don't know anything about cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm just I, I just gotta remind you, I don't know anything about cars. Now here is something else because this happens a few times in this movie. Yeah. And it is the greatest thing, fucking ever. <laughs> Pooh occasionally gets very, very grave. <laughs> and he just says, Owl, we need honey. It, and, and like like the camera like zooms in on his face and like there's like a like a slight sting to the to the soundtrack every time this happens. And now that I say it, it actually kind of feels like again something a kid might do, where suddenly they say something. And it's the most important thing in the world. Yes. And I think that's what they were going for. But at the time when I was watching it, I just thought, this is the greatest delivery of this line he could have possibly made. <laughs> it's, oh, it's so good. So so Pooh has his epic quest, but it's, it's belayed because... Uh, There's a second epic quest. Eeyore has lost his tail. Which... We didn't mention it. Does it happen in the last film? I guess it doesn't. That's not part of it, is it? No. This is... Huh. This is the adaptation of that story, from what I can tell. That's so odd, because that's another one that I feel like is kind of the quintess- popular. Yeah, like, that's the that's the story I remember from the book, is uh, in which Eeyore, Eeyore loses, loses his tail. tail. Yeah. I believe that's the introduction of Eeyore. Yeah. So yes, Eeyore has lost his tail, which, again, since that's, since you and I know that's the introduction of Eeyore, we know that is a big possible character trait for Eeyore to have. Yeah. So Pooh wants honey, Eeyore needs a tail. Tinker shows up, and I have it written down that he is written as a gritty anti-hero in a, <laughs> quote, fresh take. 
and I cannot recall exactly why I put this down. <laughs> I, dude, I have no fucking idea why you wrote that. Maybe did you I, did you maybe okay? I can think of a scene later that would make you write that. No, this would have been a very early scene. I don't fucking know why you would this write is, that. A gritty antihero with a fresh take in quotes. Yeah. Um. I I don't know. If you figure it out, let me know. I watched this movie like a month and a half ago. I, I don't know. Also, Kanga has a good, good fucking line. They start talking about what they're going to do about Eeyore's tail. Yes. Right? So what they're going to do is they're going to hold a contest. Yep. Okay. Everybody's going to find something that could potentially be Eeyore's tail. Oh, I remember this line. And, and Christopher, when Christopher Robin's saying the rules of the contest, at the beginning he says something like, oh, what is it? That something truly... Oh, I forget the word that they use. Do you remember? Do you have this quote for quote? I don't. Fuck. I, I don't believe it's so. Like, but... But Christopher Robin says, uh, basically, I guess, that they need to celebrate after finding his tail. And Kanga says, how about we celebrate with silence? <laughs> Which is, one, such a mom thing. Yeah. And two, such a mom thing that every mom, mom knows isn't gonna work. Oh, yeah. Well, no, no. So what I was thinking is, like, is when, when, when Christopher Robin is explaining the rules of the competition, he, like, point, he, he says, like, at the beginning, like, the, the lead-up to the competition is something truly uh, awful has happened. Take a look for yourselves. And Eeyore is just standing there, and Kanga goes, oh, my, that is awful. <laughs> and, and Christopher Robin's like, no, no, no. And, like, he makes Eeyore turn around and reveals that Eeyore has lost his tail. <laughs> Kanga, what the fuck? I know, like fucking savage. <laughs> Holy shit! No wonder Eeyore has no self-esteem. Kanga's always putting him down. So <laughs> after after a montage of people finding things to replace Eeyore's tail and many celebrations of victory that were um, done a bit too preemptively, lived. Yeah. Yes. Celebrations. We somehow get on the topics of Hufflepuffs and we and then then Woozles. Oh, so Woozles again. Yeah, uh, Pooh decides to go visit Christopher Robin to see if he has any honey, and he finds a note that says, "Gone out, busy oh, back soon." Yes. <laughs> yes, of course, and obviously he gives it to the one person in the Hundred Acre Wood who can read notes. <laughs> Owl. Owl. Because Owl is so good at telling people what to do sometimes. Who, because he's obviously literate. I mean, he wrote a, he wrote a biography. He did do that. I'm kind of wondering Which, now what exactly it is that he wrote. I mean, it's got terrible spelling and grammar in it, definitely. Right? Yeah, but he can read it. It's, it's... But he reads this note as, I forget, that the Baxoon yeah, uh, has kidnapped christopher robin and they need to save him and yeah and the the song in which everyone describes what a baxon is it's such a good song partially just because of the sort of mob psychology that you start to see coming out of these people yeah like halfway halfway through the song owl owl they ask owl what else what else and owl says well what do you think and I'm yes. just like, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch, you fucking know this ain't you're right. Like, you're like stirring this these poor animals into a frenzy. 
Oh, it's already gotten away from Owl. I'm so happy that they got Craig Ferguson to sing an entire song. It's it's beautiful. Like, it's beautiful. We're not just gonna get Craig Ferguson. We're gonna get him to sing an entire song. Fucking nice. They they figure the Baxson not only steals their best friend, it steals everything important to them, basically. So they go gather everything important to them and they, put it in a pile and like dig holes and and like set traps and rabbit at some point when we weren't looking. Rabbit Rabbit became a badass. Rabbit went full like World War One veteran. World War One Rabbit went Rambo on He's this. like put He is ready to get this back Like like don't you dare <laughs> Like at one point in the movie Rabbit picks up a phone and is like I've got a very particular set of skills. <laughs> if you give me back Christopher Robin, that'll be the end of it. But if you don't, I will find you. And I will put you into a big pit. Anyway. <laughs> like I was just possessed. As they're doing this, Tigger decides. Now this is the bit where I could see myself calling him a gritty anti-hero, but it, again, was not this part. <laughs> Tigger, Tigger decides that nobody else can catch a Baxin. Tigger needs to catch the Baxin. That's what Tiggers are but best also, at. also, even though nobody else can do it, he's not going alone. Oh no. <laughs> no, he can't. He needs a sidekick. Oh no. Tigger is taking along Tigger 2. Electric Boogaloo. Tigger 2 Electric Boogaloo. Played by the most reluctant, the most unwilling. <laughs> Eeyore. Eeyore is not down for this. <laughs> And Eeyore interacting with Tigger is me interacting with everyone ever. Eeyore interacting with Tigger in a lot of ways is sometimes how my conversations with you go during this podcast. Perfect. <laughs> Where Tigger just plows right through and Eeyore's like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> and he, he freaking gets strikes on him and... Gives him a tigger tail. And... <laughs> and tries to teach him how to fight. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. How to fight and how to bounce and all this. It's Eeyore. To Eeyore. It's just Eeyore. Eeyore, <laughs> Eeyore does not want to tell Tigger that he cannot do this. So Eeyore, my sweet, sweet boy. So Eeyore <laughs> decides to just hide underwater from Tigger, who... At this point, has dressed up as a Baxen to help to help Eeyore in his training. That's left for a little bit, but I think we all know where it's going. <laughs> I don't know. I think the place it ends up at is kind of amazing, but we'll get there. So the Baxen uh, ends up charging through where everyone else is. Well, no, no, no. And the back. Okay. First, uh, Pooh is having some some hunger hallucinations. <laughs> Where everyone around him Oh no, I have this written down Which means that this other thing must happen earlier I just have written here By all rights, Piglet should be dead <laughs> When did this happen? <laughs> I'm trying to think What ha could have happened to Piglet At some point Piglet's life gets put in very real danger oh. Okay, 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 okay So, so Pooh 
is like hallucinating that everyone around him is honey jars. And he, he like tries eating some mud and that doesn't work. And he tries to get honey from a beehive and it doesn't work. So eventually he remembers that Piglet put an empty honey pot in the pit and decides to go get it and check for himself that it's empty. He is too far gone now to really believe that it's empty. Yeah. So like everybody's just kind of standing around not knowing what to do. And do you remember how how they first the first way they try to get him out? Does Piglet float away on that balloon? Okay, that happens a lot later. <laughs> okay, oh, you're right. That's at the very, very end. So, I don't... I, now, is this before or after Pooh's mental breakdown? This is after. This is... Where he is eating honey and whole Pooh bears of honey sing with him. About... And then he devours himself in honey. Form. It is such a great... So, th- this is... This is like an amazing kind of send up to those old Disney acid trip scenes. Yeah. Because but it it's a lot it feels a lot safer. Yeah. While still entering the weird did Pooh just eat a honey version of himself? <laughs> Pooh created life solely for the purpose of taking it away. <laughs> So, okay, how do they try to get him out? So, because they don't know what to do, and then Eeyore shows up. Oh my god, and Eeyore says, I have this written down. He rhymes, he's singing a song, because of the, because whenever they get, when whenever they find a tale for Eeyore, they start singing a song about how great it is that they find a tale. Yes. And he's singing, like, yay, Eeyore, Eeyore found the tale. And he rhymes derriere with not that anybody cares. It's, it, it was which, very impressive. Yes. Like. Which is fucking amazing. And the new tale that he has found at the bottom of the creek or lake or pond or whatever is a not quite full size but still pretty big anchor. It's just an anchor. He just has an anchor as a tail chained to his t- to his nub <laughs> to the to the little nail so every yeah. so everyone looks at Eeyore with his anchor and thinks this is a great way to get Pooh out of this pit so they throw the anchor in and of course Eeyore they get about <laughs> Eeyore and everyone else falls into the pit with only Piglet left because Piglet was too short to be caught by the chain Oh my goodness. This next scene has some of the best like jokes and they're delivered so fast. So rabbit, rabbit. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Rabbit. Owl. Owl. Oh my god. Owl is stuck in the pit with them and he's a fucking owl. I believe Owl flies out of the pit to say something to Piglet and comes back. (laughs) And Rabbit is, like, smiling through his frustration. And he is broken on the inside. And it is the perfect place to take his character. Because Owl cannot fathom that he's not really stuck in this pit. But 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 the end of Rabbit's frustrations haven't even started because Piglet finally shows up after Owl calls him. And Rabbit proceeds to, through the most, like, roundabout conversation I have ever seen in any Winnie the Pooh thing ever, desperately try to get Piglet to help them out of this pit. Culminating 
in the amazing conversation about whether or not Piglet can tie a knot, which he cannot not do. Oh my god. <laughs> what, what, because what Piglet does is he grabs a rope and cuts it into six pieces. One for each of them to One climb One for up. each of them? But then finds out that the pieces are too short. <laughs> oh! I, I remember the thing. I remembered how Piglet should have died. Oh, please. Because uh, when when Pooh and Piglet are, like, when they're scattering all of their beloved belongings through the Hundred Acre Woods to lure the backs and into the pit, Piglet gets stuck in a beehive. Oh, my gosh. And Pooh, in order to get him out, starts hitting the beehive with a stick. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's a, that, that's the day the piglet died. The, the rest of this movie is piglet's hallucination as his brain shuts down. <laughs> oh god. Oh jeez. <laughs> um. So. All right. <laughs> Cuts the rope into six pieces. This is a fucking great movie. F- what a good. Here's a thing we haven't mentioned about this movie. The red balloon is like a character. Everybody treats That's it right. as a character. Because because the red balloon shows up and they like try to use it as Eeyore's tail and it doesn't work, so they just untie it <laughs> and they all wave goodbye as it floats away. Yes. <laughs> and and it shows up again here and, and, and Piglet tries to tries to use it to get them out and then he starts floating away if i'm remembering this right well he he or is that later still that's later because he goes to get something he he goes to get something from his house and i think he ends up finding the balloon but then piglet runs into tigger oh and not only does he find the balloon again he talks to it like it's a person like it's a person stuck in these in these branches and he's like Balloon, what are you doing out here? Oh, it's scary. Yeah, don't you know that there's a backset out here? You need to be more careful. So he goes to grab the, to grab the balloon and then runs into Tigger, who is still dressed up as a backson. Mm-hmm. And Tigger, I guess because he's Tigger, seems to have forgotten that he's dressed up as a backson. Well, he's busy looking for Tigger, too. Yes. So when when Piglet says, the backson... <laughs> Tigger says, Baxin turns around and then runs after Piglet because Pig figures he should follow wherever Piglet's going. Yeah, he 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 thinks now that they're being that he's also being chased by the Baxin. After an, an insanely long chase sequence, Tigger uh, Tigger falls into the pit as a Baxin, and the others fall upon him like rabid dogs. <laughs> they will defend Christopher Robin. <laughs> they tear into him. Only the fluff is left before they realize their mistake. When did... Fucking Tony, when did this fucking become... What's that book called? I don't know, man. About the kids stuck on the island? Uh, Lord of the Flies. Thank you. I. When did this become Lord of the Flies? How do I not remember that? I'm a fuck poor excuse for somebody who enjoys literature. I haven't even read uh, Lord of the Flies, so don't... I mean, you're fine. <laughs> I read it. I had to. I had to read it for some class sometime. But so Tigger falls into the pit, takes off his disguise, and Piglet ends up falling into the pit as well, along with some of the storybook's letters. Oh yes, and this is we've sort of brushed on this. The story 
the storybook focus of this movie is so much more palatable. It's not just a narrator narrating things and then skipping through parts of the book, which kind of feels really cheap and a way to not mm-hmm. come to a conclusion. They physically, like, there's a scene where Eeyore's, like, little scarf uh, that they, like, gets tangled in the letters. On the letters, and, yeah. And, and as he walks away. Along. Yeah, and as he walks away, he's, like, dragging, like, sentence after sentence off of the book. Yes, see, this is a much better way to deal with this idea. So, Tigger is really sad because Eeyore doesn't want to be Tigger too, and Eeyore, being able to talk to people in the most adult way possible, reminds Tigger that the most wonderful thing about Tigger's is that he's the only one, and Tigger (laughs) gets over it. That's true. But also, it seems like Eeyore's kind of throwing some shade. Really, it really does. Like, what if I were to say to you, you know the best thing about you, Andy? You're it. (laughs) <laughs> the clown you mean yeah man that's what i meant you God. are you are the clown with the red balloon uh synergy who kills kids i don't want to talk about this because it, but there's a thing happening on the internet because of this movie that disturbs me in a way that i cannot get over but we'll talk about talk that later about well i'm gonna okay. go watch that movie and i think once i do that i'll talk about it I'm not going to watch the movie. I have no interest in um, horror movies. And even if I did, I'd watch the Tim Curry one first. I'm like the only person in my life, I think, that enjoys horror movies. Yeah? Which is weird, because I'm like a crybaby scaredy cat. And also, a lot of people like horror movies. Yeah, but none of my friends do. Huh. Anyhow. So, they eventually realize that they can use the storybook letters that have fallen into the pit to make a ladder. Mm Mm-hmm. And they just climb out. And I think they might admonish the balloon for not helping. No, 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 no. Because the balloon goes and gets Christopher Robin, remember? Oh my gosh, yes. Christopher Robin's like, I was like, oh, I I found balloon and I decided to come over and see what was going on. And Christopher Robin lets everyone know that he was just going to be gone and that his note said he would be back soon. And the look that everyone gives Owl. <laughs> like animals. Yes. They lay upon his body, tearing him apart. Well, here's until the thing nothing about Owl. but feathers are left. I think he often forgets what sort of abilities flight gives him. But man, does he get the fuck out of there. He, f- he just flies away. See, the thing is, right, is Owl has the strange ability to not be there when he's in trouble. So he can never be wrong. Pooh has still not eaten anything today. Yeah, because because they decide that because the Red Balloon saved everybody from... Because the Red Balloon found Christopher Robin, he deserved to get the honeypot. So they tie <laughs> it to the honeypot, and it, <laughs> it floats, floats away. away. And Pooh's just sitting there like, oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) Now what am I going to do? The fucking balloon got it. As a sort of last resort, Pooh goes to see Owl to get some honey. Because he remembers that Owl had some on his shelf from when he won the tail prize. Yes. Because he just kept it. Not because he won it, but because he just kept it. He rings the doorbell. He notices the doorbell ringer 
is pretty weird. It's like not your average uh, doorbell ringer. It's a bit gray. Yes. Has a bow on it. He does not immediately decide that this is a, a red flag. Starts to talk to Owl and then thinks. And then Wait says, a minute. Uh, yeah. Where'd you get this doorbell ringer? And and he has this conversation, which I think I do pretty much remember from the book. Because I think this is where the uh, uh, Eeyore's tale has ended up in the original story as Owl's doorbell ringer. Yes. He found it in a briar patch, strung it onto his doorbell, and thought, perfect, this is mine. Without thinking. As, as hey, Owl this, only does. This, isn't this supposed to be attached to my friend's ass? <laughs> <laughs> this is... This is my friend's. This is my friend's ass accessory. Ass accessory. There's a pun there. Good I didn't job. make it. Yeah, you'll time. work it out. Um, so Pooh does accessory. Boom, nailed it. Good job. So Pooh does. <laughs> um... Pooh does the most heroic Pooh thing. A... Yeah, Pooh has well a pretty good character moment, especially if you have just watched the last movie. Where he spent the where he's whole time an, only caring about himself. Being a narcissistic fuck. Yes. Because, well, the, the Pooh in this movie also only cared about himself in that he was just hungry the whole time he wanted to eat something. But now... Like, seriously, even, this poor guy hasn't eaten breakfast. Yes. Like, I would be pretty fucking hangry if, uh, <laughs> if I was, if it was the end of the day and I still hadn't eaten anything. But Pooh decides, yeah. especially with all the, like, activities they were doing, Pooh decides that it's more important to get Eeyore's tail back as soon as possible than it is to stop for some honey. And this is a nice moment. Also, though, not entirely true, because, like, Eeyore could wait five minutes. Yeah, he's gone the whole movie without his tail. Although, maybe Pooh knows enough about himself to know that he would spend the rest of the day eating honey if he started. And, and he would forget to give Eeyore back his tail. Yes. Because he would get stuck walking out of Al's front door or some dumb adventure shit. Yes. But he goes and gives Eeyore back his tail. And he wasn't even thinking about this. Because this is such a great guy that this is the great guy that Pooh is. He won the contest. He won the contest. He gets the honey. Which I'm not sure. Did we specify that Pooh, decide, Pooh said that whoever finds Eeyore a tail should get honey? And Christopher Brown said, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that happens. Pooh gets his honey. Pooh finally gets to eat. Well, no, no. They Christopher Robin proceeds to open the door to his house, and the largest pot of honey. Oh my fucking god! That could possibly fit in his house is dragged out. It's like okay. <laughs> I am laying on a bed right now. All right. Same. It's the size of this bed. It is. Massive, and like deeper Christopher. than this bed, like maybe five feet high. Like this is this is a pot of honey that could feed a third world country. Yes. And Pooh proceeds to drown himself in it, <laughs> and that's the movie. Yes, and then in two hundred years, they find Pooh perfectly fossilized, yes, per per perfectly preserved in this honey. And John Hammond decides that this would be a great idea for an amusement park. I did say 200 years, though. 
Hopefully there are still bears. Welcome to Barassic Park. What? Barassic. I don't remember what our age of time is called. Oh, fuck, man. Yeah, see? Uh... Fuck you for not coming up with a better name then, right? Who's the dick now, motherfucker? Coming at me for my jokes when you have nothing to supplement them with? Well, I guess you put me in my place. <laughs> what a f- Okay, so we, we had this really long talk about how how the last movie ends on this kind of fake sentimental note because in real life, there was a lot of sentiment where Disney was at the time of its release. I feel like this movie ends on such a light note despite the fact that this might be the last hand-animated film that Disney has ever, will ever do. And it just ends with Pooh drowning himself in that sweet, golden bee juice. Hashtag bee juice. Hashtag bee, is that gonna be it? (laughs) I guess I'll decide last minute. I I prefer that one, I think. So, (laughs) something that I meant to say, but I completely forgot because we just got really into talking about this movie. Winnie the Pooh and Tigger are both voiced by... You guessed it. Jim Cummings. Yeah. There our he guy. is. There's our man. I'm surprised that uh, Alan Tudyk uh, isn't in this yeah, at all. Yeah, didn't end up in here. Well, here's the thing. This is, of... this is before his... Yeah, his this big is bo- breakout Disney roles. But the as, other thing is, yeah, a lot of these Duke people... Duke Wesselton. Like, if you click, if you click these people uh, in this... In, in these... Um, mm-hmm. Um, Roles like on, on on IMDb, you click them. They will have a million voice acting roles. They will have a million voice acting roles as these characters, is what I mean. Like if you click on this uh, Travis O's guy, yeah, he voices he's Piglet, Piglet in this movie. He's also Piglet in every other movie. Yeah, he's he's the canonical voice of Piglet. Yeah, and I think there are so many of these that you're just not going to get an Alan Tudyk poking his head in. What the fuck is Doc McStuffins? It sounds like a fake company from, like, Invader Zim. Like, Build-A-Bear in the Invader Zim universe. (laughs) I mean, I guess if you're the voice of any of these characters, that's gotta be a full-time gig, right? Like, there's so much Winnie the Pooh shit. (laughs) Oh, wait. The guy who voiced uh, Rabbit has quite a career, actually. Like, wow, actually, this guy's done a lot of work. That's not Rabbit. In fact, I think this is his only credit as Rabbit. I think we have gone down a bit of a rabbit hole with Dom Kish. I, I will say one fun fact about this uh, about this film is that the, the, it, the songs in this movie are really good. They're very short, but they're well composed and really well written and well delivered by the characters. Ugh. Did you know there's going Did you know that next year there's going to be a live action movie called Christopher Robin? That's I think Warner Brothers. Yes. Or like it's like Universal or something. It has nothing to do with Disney. But yeah, I've heard of it. Well, it has the same voice actors. Does it? a few of them. Wait, what are you looking at? Because I'm thinking of something that I think is already out. No, this comes out next year. Let me think. Huh. It's about yeah, you, you fucking know the plot of Hook. Yeah, it's that, but with Christopher Robin. Oh, okay. I don't know how I Instead feel about that. Instead of Peter Pan. Well, then, who's playing adult Christopher Robin then? Adult Christopher Robin is played by Ian McGregor. 
Okay, this movie can't be that bad, then. I love Ewan McGregor. It's just that I don't like the idea. Of um, Hook, but with Winnie the Pooh instead? Yeah, it says, Working class family man Christopher Robin encounters his childhood friend Winnie the Pooh, who helps him rediscover the joys of life. That I will say, I will say the reason I don't like it is that Christopher Robin was a real person. The last person who did not die all that long ago? Hmm. This is, I don't like that. Yeah, I, I thought That's about gross. it for two more seconds and immediately the problem hit me. I mm, Yeah, that feels really gross. Yeah, and it is Disney making this. That's okay. gross. That reminds me of when they made that other movie. Um, That's a very... <laughs> yep, saving, that when Disney... Saving Mr. Banks. Well, that's different, because that was like a... I understand that it was different, but if you, that, like, that... read about it, they, like, changed almost everything about that person to show that, oh, she loved the fact that Disney made this movie out of her book. Yeah, well, she and... she warmed up to the idea, but the movie is mostly about her not liking all of their changes. It's such a weird thing. Okay, anytime a documentary... That... Ma- anytime a, a docudrama a documentary about themselves a docudrama yeah it's fucking gross it is it really is and i think my and yes a docudrama not like a real documentary like yeah because the, because exactly because because the 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 thing about saving mr banks is it's being made by disney and they they you cannot like they cannot for some reason portray walt disney as the flawed, obsessive-compulsive weirdo that he was. Uh-huh. And, like, I mean, they got Tom Hanks to play him, and like I said, like, Tom Hanks is the most, like, affable... He's America's he, sweetheart. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's, like, such a polite dude. They're going for an image for Walt Disney that Walt Disney was not. And I think that's where the film ultimately fails for me, is Disney can't seem to get over its own legacy, which I guess that's its own problem that disney has but what a good ass film this was this was a very good film i'm probably not gonna watch that uh christopher robin movie but i probably might just because i want to know what it's about now but i i will say this they disney put this movie out to die there was almost no marketing for this film you know what i think the only reason i know about this movie is because i watched the late late show yeah, and Craig Ferguson was, like, all about it. He was so proud of being involved with yeah, this movie. Yeah, he really enjoyed, probably enjoyed being in a Disney movie and enjoyed, like, I know that he likes doing roles that his kids can watch. Yeah. his kid can watch. I believe he only has one. But, like, but, that's but, cool. So, so, yeah, other than Craig Ferguson on his own late-night TV show that he was hosting. Right, the late-night TV show that's after the popular late-night TV show. Yeah, with that... Weird, creepy Scottish Conan guy. <laughs> what was the one you said? The lesbian of late night. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, oh, he amazing. he would always he would always refer to... to himself as the fact that he looked just like a lesbian. <laughs> I need to find a clip of him saying that because I bet he delivered that so well. But I I want to go back to my original point, which is Disney like pretty much set up this movie to fail. Craig Ferguson did a lot of talking about it because he was just a really proud to be involved in it, I think, mm-hmm. and also because he was happy to be involved in something that his son could watch because his son definitely shouldn't be allowed to watch that late night show. It's up. It's it's on way too late. Yeah, it's got a skeleton on it. They're scary. Yeah, but it was released the day of uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. 
Fuck, dude. The day of, and they refused to like like release it. A, it was released a month earlier in the UK, and they refused to release it a week earlier in the US, at least, like, give it something. Like, they put this movie out there to drown, and it made back its budget. It made back, it, it had a budget of, uh, oh god, what was it, like, $35 million, and it made back $50 million in its box office. Okay. So, so it wasn't a flop, but... I mean, it definitely probably, I, I'm sure it would have been bigger if they, if they had freaking advertised it. Yeah, if they had advertised it at all, if they had not released it on, you know, the culmination of one of the largest book-to-movie adaptations of all time in history. One of the largest is probably one too many modifiers, actually. Probably it- just the... The largest book to movie? Like, it, like, the ending of the Harry Potter movie series was such a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Like... Here's the thing. That was it. Like, all the books had come out, and those had been such a big deal. And that was the last of the movies to come out. That was the end of an era. And this was, like, a good five or six years before they announced that they were going to be doing the Fantastical Beasts thing. Mm-hmm. Or the Cursed Child. Yeah, so as far as anyone was concerned, this was the end of anything Harry Potter that was new. Mm-hmm. And Disney just, like... and the, But, the, but the, the, the worst part to me is that, like, Disney pointed to this failure as a reason for them shutting down the 2D animation side of the studio, which is so, like, That's fucked such bullshit. up. Yeah, like... Especially because it wasn't a, actually a failure. Yeah, like it. Like it they was, set it like, up yeah. to fail, and it did pretty okay. Yeah, like you set it up to fail, and it still earned back its money. I'm just so mad. Like I want more. I want to be where the people are. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Direct to Video. I have been Tony Rivisto. Yes, VHS. I forgot VHS. about our. V- I forgot. I've been Tony Rivisto. It's been so long since we've recorded a regular episode. Gosh, I know, right? For like oh, four hours. I've been uh, I've been Andy Reyes. Next time we do a full episode, which I'm not going to swear is next week, but hey, maybe. Who knows? God is strange. I don't. That was. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that was a, that was a weird. God himself will put the Little Shop of Horrors DVDs in front of my eyes. You gotta make sure to watch... Okay, so we're gonna watch Little Shop of Horrors. um, Both of them. Both the 60s version and the 80s version, which I believe are the right times. Uh, Yeah, something like that. You have to make sure to watch... They re-released the 80s version at some point, and you need to make sure to watch the original. So I don't know what they call it, if they call it like a director's cut, or what. But watch the original. Watch the original. Yes. Aces. Basically, they changed they changed the ending. I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe I'll watch. Well, both. there's a that's well, don't, don't, don't spoil it for me. Something we talk about actually. Yeah, don't don't spoil it for me. We'll talk the, about the, it then. The ending is the the fact that the ending changed is super important to that movie. We already asked you to give us first a rating and review, and we told you that we loved you, so we'll just leave it at that. If you want to find us on the internet, you can find me at TheaterBats on Twitter. Uh, you can... tw- tw- Twitter. Yes, you can find me at royalty underscore valance on Twitter and Instagram. (gasps) Instagram now. 
Yeah, I got one. Uh, I, I think that's gonna be where I put all of my art stuff, and also if I start deciding, I've been wanting to do some like light video stuff, and I feel like if I'm going to do that, it's either going to be, it's probably going to be there and on Twitter. Yeah. Um, just kind of short little rants about stuff. Like I have a lot of unfinished thoughts about Winnie the Pooh and Jackie Chan and Peanuts and Calvin and Hobbes that I have no place anymore because of us <laughs> right nobody knows we talked about peanuts and calvin and hops yeah but I, I i i just like i have so much like un like filtered scripted stuff that i want to do but i don't want it to be like professional because i don't have the tools for that that's cool so we'll see where that goes i keep on thinking i should get an instagram because a lot of my friends are on it Same and thing. i think maybe i could just take pictures of dogs Literally, dude, you should just do that so that my Instagram has more dog on it. Solid point. I'll think about it. And you can find my webcomic at inspiredbytrueevents.org. It's really good. It's really funny. It's got one of the best jokes I've ever read in a webcomic on it. Thank you. Way to milk that. And the... (laughs) Seriously, that fucking air balloon joke with the chicken is really good. Podcast is at direct2.video direct to dot video it's been a long time since i've uh taken a clip and made it into a video and put it on youtube which i should do maybe you could do the animation rant for that that would be a good fun thing oh that would be like if we could cut out maybe the oh yeah i would oh. maybe we should i should put more cut bits on youtube on the youtubes yeah that would and be, pro- it could be extras be that you guys can go find on your own time heck yeah that'd be Gotta good use that channel for something yeah since let's, we own it. gonna do sitting there collecting dust. I'm pretty sure the most popular video, which isn't even that popular, is the toxic masculinity Gaston rant. Gosh, I, I really just was in an emotional place when, and I went off. I fucking <laughs> love it. One of the things I didn't like about the live action movie was that I felt like it did, it, I felt like it tried to humanize Gaston a little bit too much. I was like, no, make him what he is. He's just a fucking asshole. Yeah, he he is there. It he is irredeemable, and that's why he dies. He is irredeemable because he's a regular guy. And I guess I guess maybe that's that's indicative of where where our relationship is with toxic dudes right now is we're more willing to humanize them than actually vilify them for their actions. Mm-hmm. And I can do both. I can I hate would... people for being human. Easily. I have enough hate. <laughs> On uh, that note, I am the ghost of John Smith. Ooh. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, this little tune that you're probably listening to right now. Right now! Right now! That's Penguins on... That's theme from Penguins on Parade by Lee Rosevere. It's so good. It's from music from Podcast 3. Or 4 Podcast 3, I believe. It's uh, in the in the description if you want to grab that and other Lee Rosevere stuff. Yeah, I think we're good now. Okay, yeah. defend tuxedo mask with my life you son of a bitch He's how dare you worst. he is but that's the point <laughs> okay you know what he spends no we're not gonna talk about this
Okay, well, his street clothes version is, like, constantly hitting on a 14-year-old girl. So it's Wednesday. And Pooh decides to... I might to, just delete that bit. Pooh decides to... I hope you do. <laughs> Pooh decides to... Maybe throw it in at the end. <laughs> Boom, we found our stinger. 